Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His kingdom. God, thank you for Chris and for his heart for us and that he just, like, loves this community and loves us well. And I pray that you would, um, yeah, just fill him with your spirit now. Amen. Thank you. All right. Okay. So this is, uh, this is a season we're in right now. Oh, yeah, and eventually, yeah. We're, we're going to be, we have some readings in a bit from some people. But uh, I'll let you guys know. Um, it's a season of fulfillment we're in right now. Fulfillment, hope joy, and uh, just goodness. We're in a season of goodness right now. And it doesn't always feel that way, too. A lot of times holidays represent bad things and and bad memories and pain, okay? Um, But the thing is, is that if you look at the original story, it it was full of pain and loss and and trouble as well. So we're not not alone in that. Um, So I want to talk about some of those things, but... uh, I've been really convicted lately of, uh, of, of my cynicism because in, in L.A., it's, uh, it's, it's, almost, it's almost wise and, and, and hip to be cynical. You know, like it makes you look, look like you're a little, little smarter. Because a lot of times when you're really happy, like, like someone goes, okay, that guy's dumb, or he, he just doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't get, he doesn't see the big picture, right? He doesn't see the gun to his head behind him. He doesn't see the, the, the doom that's coming, you know? And that's, that's not the truth, you know? That's not the truth at all. So, you know, that's the, yeah, that's the thing. Um, one of the things I, I, I thought of, and this is, my, uh, this is my Star Wars shirt right here. Um, uh, I, I wish I could say it was an old one, but this is a new one. So, um, uh, so we, we end up seeing it last night, but we, we didn't have plans to see it, though. That's the thing. We didn't have plans to see it. And, and, and I told myself, oh, I wanted to watch the other ones first, and there's some other reasons to it. But what, deep down, though, I was afraid of it not being good. I was afraid of it not living up to my expectations because it's been so long. So long for this, for a continuation. They had the prequels in, in the 2000s, but for an actual continuation of what, where the story was before, it's been about 30 years, if not more. And so it's been so much waiting, but I, I, didn't, I was afraid of it being as good as, as, it, uh, as I wanted it to be, or not, not being as good as I wanted it to be. And that's no way to live. To live in that, in that little, and then, and the, oh yeah, fear of Star Wars, okay, but, but really, it's, it's a fear of other stuff, too. It's a fear of things, <laughs> yeah, it's a fear of things that are going right in my life. It's a fear of much deeper things. It's connected to a whole string of things in my life that, are, that I'm a fear, that I'm afraid of. And I think a lot of times, I've noticed in my life that I'm like a rescue dog with, with God. And uh, it's, you know, they're, uh, they're not here, but... Um, the, the Cushing's dog, they have a rescue dog, and we were spent some time with them recently. And, and their dog, like, the dogs usually love me, and their dog would not have any of it. Like, he just stayed away from me the whole time, just terrified of me. I, I, I couldn't get near him. And that's how I am with God a lot of times. I feel like I have this knee-jerk response of, like, it, like I'm afraid of God showing up because he's either going to punish me or if he's, he's going he's gonna to bring some kind of uh, like, uh, more bad news. And... 
It's no way to live. And if, and if, we, if you're experiencing that in your own life, if you have a little bit of little mistrust of God, let's stomp it out today. Okay? You guys want that? All right. Because there's... We talk about trusting God a lot. We talk about trusting God, and we, we, we say, oh, yeah, yeah let's, let's trust God, but we don't really know how to measure it. We don't really know, and we just say, oh, I'm, I'll keep, keep praying to trust him more. But I'm sick of not seeing the fruit in my life of the peace of God and the confidence of God and the hope of God, which is what we're called to. It is an act of faith. It is an act of rebellion toward the world when we hope and when we trust in God. When we rejoice, it is an act of of war against the world. And a lot of times we think, oh yeah, re- rejoice, but yeah, you don't know what I've been through, all right? Well, F that, okay? Because God is so much bigger than anything you've been through. Anything you've been through, God is so much bigger and so much gooder. If I can say a bad, uh, <laughs> wrong word. A gooder, English teacher says no. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing, is that I, I, I forget that he's, He's the, be- the greatest storyteller of all time. God is the storyteller. I'm not the storyteller. I've read so many biographies and, and biopics that I start thinking that, that people are the center of their story. And, and, and it's just natural to kind of put ourselves at the center of our own universe and think that we're the, we're the, where the buck stops, but we're not. He is the main character, and we're the supporting characters. And once we can embrace that and realize that, we're gonna, life would be so much easier. We, we, can, we can sit in, in our role as opposed to trying to be the main character and actually fighting against God, which is what I, I, I've done most of my life. And we have such small perspectives, too, such small views. Like in, in my own life, I don't know if you guys upload videos to Instagram. Uh, I, I just started getting to Instagram the last couple of years. I'm really late to the game. But... Uh, when they, when they came up with the 15-second video, it was much better than Vine. It was almost double and more in, uh, than, than Vine's in 15 seconds. But my videos were never 15 seconds. And so I'd have to condense my minute-long video into 15 seconds. And it never told the story. It, it always was like, oh, gosh, that, that was right before the, the big part of the concert when he just came in. But I knew that beginning part, too. And it was, it was a snapshot of life that's not, that's not incomplete that people are going to make judgments on and not really get the picture I'm trying to tell. And the same thing in our own life. I, I, I've done that all the time with my life. I'm like, oh yeah, God may have rescued the Israelites here or he may have done this here with these people but, or, or even with this person in real life, but what is he doing in my life? I, I haven't seen anything in, in, in years. I, I haven't experienced anything. I've, I've, and I'm looking at such a narrow, narrow perspective. And as we, we look at the scriptures today, we're, we're going to see... I mean, most of our movies we see are about two hours, and, and, and we just kind of gloss over the hard years because that's, we, our attention span is so short. We forget that in real life, not, not in books, not in movies, in real life, the dark periods can last a long time, and, and, and the, the times when you don't feel God can last a long time, and we kind of remember that. I've been burned by a couple of TV shows because of how dark they've gotten, like how, how depressing they've gotten, where I'm just like, okay, I stick with it and I have faith in it, and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, why am I watching this? Like, I'm, I'm so depressed. But there's some, and it's because I didn't really know the, the director as well or the, or the storyteller as well, and, I, and, I didn't, and, and now I do, and now I, don't, I avoid their stuff. 
I've, because I just know that it could be depressing and just take me down. But J.J. Abrams, on the other hand, J.J. Abrams, who directed the Star Wars, is a director I trust. He's a director I trust. And so in the middle of the movie last night, obviously no spoilers. Jill dared me to give a spoiler, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> just because she wouldn't it'd be a... It'd be a great headline to see a pastor stoned by their congregation for, you know, having the, uh, giving a spoiler for Star Wars, but, um, which, which you have total justification in doing if I did that, total justification. Um, in a dark part of the movie, I'm not tuning out. I'm not walking out of the theater because I know that J.J. Abrams is going to take me out of this. I know that J.J. Abrams is going to rescue me and the main characters out of this. I know it. He wouldn't just leave us to die there. He's going to rescue us. And I have that kind of faith in J.J. Abrams, and I can't have that faith in God? Come on. I mean, oh, countless times. I mean, I, like, one of the things about being married or even just in a relationship, you drive uh, with, with someone else a lot more than driving alone. And I've realized how petty and how, how, how just angry I get when I'm driving. And how, oh my gosh, the world is ending. This person cut me off. And, 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 and Joel will make fun of me and say something like, oh yeah, we love you in Jesus' name, you know. <laughs> Just highlighting, highlighting how, how depraved and narrow-minded my outlook is. You know, like in, in one second, this person cutting me off has, has single-handedly thwarted my destiny because they cut me off right there. Like, like all my hopes and dreams have died because that person cut me off right there. So narrow-minded. So it's one journey, and I'll probably get there faster because there's something else could have happened that I, I can't see. But my narrow-minded view, that my 15-second story right there, is that, oh, this is another example of how life doesn't work out for me. This is another example of why God doesn't love me, why God is mean and, and, he, and he's not, not powerful. And it's, oh, it's this bull. It's a bunch of bull. It requires immense tension to stay in the hope of God especially when you, when you don't think he's coming through. It requires immense tension. And I've, I resent God so much for how much faith he requires of me. I'm like, I, I believe in you, God. I, I know you're real. I can sense you here. You're here. But come on. Like, come through a little closer. Like, meet me halfway. Like, don't let me come all the way to, to, to find at the last 1% of my life that, that oh, you were, you were good. But he may do that. He may do that. And, and we got to be ready for that because in the year 2095, we're not going to be here, okay? Most of us are not going to be here in 2095. All right, if you see that, just imagine that, that year up on the wall. We're going to be dead, okay? Our life's going to be over. <laughs> and, and we're going to look back and go like, why was I so worried about all these things? Why was I so worried about all these things? And I bet... I bet people, even, even in concentration camps, who are with the Lord now, who look back and go, oh, gosh, that was nothing compared to the great glory that I'm being shown now. That is nothing compared to the great glory I'm being shown. And I'm, I, I, I get, you know, I get mad at the past about being, being single for so long, mad at the past about my career being, being in ashes perpetually, mad, mad about the, the silliest things. And in the big picture, like, what am I really mad about? I'm mad about my mom dying, okay? Who's the person closest to me in the whole world, all right? That is minuscule compared to God 
and his glory and his love and his power. There's a scripture I was going to say at the end. I'm going to say it now, all right? There's my favorite Psalms, Psalm 27. At the very end, he says, "I I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All right, and it's, so this hope is not just for heaven. It's hope is for, for now. And, and we can encounter him and have, we can have more hope than we have right now. We can have so much more hope. He's so much more real than we believe him to be. And so much more good than we give him credit for. It's real. And the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living is not just a, a, a pretty good Friday night once in a while. The goodness of the Lord is, it, 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 it cheap, me even talking about it cheapens it. Me even trying to put it into words cheapens how the goodness of the Lord, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living is so much better than anything we could imagine. And I get glimpses of it now and then. I've gotten glimpses of it 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Most recently, but, but before that and in between, there was a lot of darkness and depth. And even Mother Teresa, there's an article about Mother Teresa that just came out about how she was called into the ministry. She heard God's voice. I've, I've only talked to one person who I've heard is God's voice audibly. It called her to go to the poor, and she had this encounter with God. And after that, at about age 30, she heard nothing till her death. Maybe she heard something on her deathbed, but she talked and she wrote all about the dark night of the soul she went through, about how she just didn't experience him. She just had, had nothing to kind of base her hope on other than the, the fact that God, God spoke to her. And she was living off of those fumes, off of that, that one encounter her whole life. But gosh, who's laughing now? She, she's still, she died 17 years ago. 17 years ago, and we're still talking about it. We still make references to, oh, not like Mother Teresa, or Mother, she's still the standard in, in our lives. Like, no one's laughing at her life right now. She won. She proved, she proved her feelings and emotions wrong. She proved all of her negative thoughts and her dark nights wrong by how she lived. And she had fumes. And sometimes it's going to feel like we have fumes. I wish God could meet us sooner. I wish God could give us more, meet us halfway a lot sometimes. But there's some reason why he does it. And it doesn't mean he's not good. It doesn't mean he's not, it doesn't mean he's not loving toward us. It doesn't mean you did something wrong or he's mad at you, okay? Block that idea out of your mind and talk back to it because it's not true. Yeah. We're going to read a story this morning about, that, that God's, it's God's main story, about an unwed pregnant teen and a, a fiancé who found out his wife was pregnant, not by, his fiancé was pregnant, not by him. <laughs> it sounds like a great story already. I mean, these are the stories he tells, there's, but there's something he knows. And if, if we can just surrender to him and not to our emotions and our negative thoughts, our life will glorify him so much more. Our life will glorify him so much more. There's a, can you pass me that thing right there? Um, 
This is so awesome. I asked Suze if she had a, a magnifying glass, and, and she went out and bought one. It was, and this thing is like, it's like an antique. It's amazing. I'm going to hold off on this. We're going to read the scriptures right now. This is, um, let's have, uh, Stephanie, do you mind reading um, Micah two, uh, 5, 2 through 5? Let's see that up there. You can read from the screen if you want. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore he will give them up until the time when, he, when she who is in labor has borne a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain, because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. This one will be our peace. When the Assyrian invades our land, when he tramples on our citadels, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight leaders of men." So that is written by uh, Micah. Um, you have a question over there? I don't know what citadels do. Oh, citadels. I think it's like a city, like a, a fortified city that has towers. Is that you said? We don't call LA a citadel. No, but I mean, yeah, we don't need the, we don't need those fortifications like we did in the, in the old days. Um, so this is written by, you're welcome, by Micah. Micah was a prophet in about 740 B.C. to, to maybe uh, 680 B.C. Uh, and he's, he's prophesying about this coming Messiah, this, this coming person who is from of old, who, who's not going to be, who's, who's not, who's, who's, yeah, who's eternal, who's going who's gonna to come against our enemies and come and restore peace and restore all the things that we have lost in this life. And so he's predicting it's going to come, he's prophesying it's going to be, come from in, be born in Bethlehem. Like, that's the prophecy. What's funny about this, though, is that he also prophecies, someone else prophecies that the Messiah is going to come from Nazareth. All right? So there's a tension here. You see that there's going to be, this is God the storyteller saying, okay, how, how is God going to fulfill these prophecies when they're coming from two different spots? And so what he does, we're going to see what he does in a second, but let's, uh, let's read. So... Don, let's have you read uh, the uh, Luke 1 through 46. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and, the, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation. Toward those who fear him, he has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rules from their thrones, rulers from their thrones, sorry, and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham 
and his descendants forever. Okay, so that is the words from Mary, the unwed pregnant teen. That, uh, and she just accepts the task that, that God has given her. So, so she is visited by an angel who tells her she's going to ha- give birth to the Savior of the world. And, and so she's, she's like, well, I haven't had sex with anybody. Like, what, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, like the Holy Spirit is going to incarnate you. And, and that's, I mean, that's, it's beautiful, and it's, it's, it's a lot of destiny and purpose attached to it, but that is a huge disruption in her life, a huge disruption. I, I'm sure if like, a couple months before we got married, if, if Jill had been also pregnant, I'd be like, with, with, with the Savior of the world, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome, but come on, I, I wanted to... I mean, it's, it, I think it'd be a, it's a disruption. It's a, it's, a, it's a disruption of what, it's not how I would tell the story, you know? It's not how I would tell the story, and it's not what I would ask for. But our lives are not what we ask for, okay? Our lives are what he's given us. There's a lot of things in my life that I'd never asked for, and I probably wouldn't ask for, but he is good. And I have to trust in his sovereignty and his storytelling ability that's above my own. I have to surrender to that. So she's, she's excited about this. That's, that's amazing, outstanding. So, Kyle, let's have you read the next one. Here. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went down to the town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So, so how does God, so God incarnates this, this unwed teen, pregnant teen in Nazareth who's engaged to be married to this guy, and they're up in Nazareth, but the Savior's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So what does he do? He moves in the most powerful man in the world, the Roman emperor, to decree a census that causes the entire Roman world, which is the largest empire at the time, for everyone to go to their hometown to register. Like, like God is not into small things. He's into huge things. He moves in the most powerful man in the world to move this, this poor couple down in their eighth month of pregnancy down to Bethlehem to register. And that's how he does it. That's how the Savior was from Nazareth but was born in Bethlehem. Huge story change. And that's awesome for us because we're like, wow, that's pretty cool. But not if, I'm, like, if I had to move my pregnant wife of eight months down on a, on a crazy journey through thief-ridden land, a two-day journey, and I don't have that much money either, I, I'm going to be kind of pissed off. I'm like, wait, wait, we, we have the Savior of the world. Like, we're, we're, we're in, you know, we have the Savior of the world in, our, in her womb right now, and, and this is the, we can't travel first class. We, we have to go, like, like, not even a class. We're, we're just traveling on our own. We're, we're just on our own two feet on a donkey. I'd be a little bit resentful of that. I'd be like, oh, really? Come on. But what, the good thing is that when they arrived in Bethlehem, there was a huge parade for them. They, they were given like the honeymoon suite in the hotel and, and, were, and were just treated, you know, were lushly because it was the savior of the world. And so as you would expect for the king of the world. Exactly, exactly. 
I know. And, you know, I just found out uh, a couple weeks ago, I'm embarrassed to admit this, a manger, I thought a manger was just like a place to store animals. It's a feeding trough. Yeah. That's, that's what they, they set Jesus in the feeding trough. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen a feeding trough. They're disgusting, <laughs> all right? Uh, you have animals drooling, slobbering, vomiting a lot of times in this little trough here, and that's where the Savior of the world, the most important being in the universe, is being laid. And I, and I, get, I get mad that I have... 12 count sheets or 12 thread sheets, you know? Like, 12 thread count. I, I, I didn't know what it is. They weren't Egyptian cotton, I tell you that. But I would, ex- at this moment, I'd feel so, I'd feel so abandoned by God. I mean, like, like, first of all, we make this journey, this last-minute journey that's so dangerous for pregnancy, make this last-minute journey, then arrive in a town, and, and there's no room at the end. Like, like, guys get in trouble for not making reservations for a, a, a birthday or anniversary. Oh, no, a year of planning, okay? 700 years, probably millenniums, but at least 700 years, God knew this was going to happen. And he's, one phone call, just one phone call, it, it could have changed everything, all right? Obviously, they didn't have phone call. They didn't have phones. But the, the point is... It would have taken so little just, just for God just to be like, oh, yeah, uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's a room. Here's a room. And he didn't. And how many times in your life have you felt that? If that's how he treats his own son and, and the, the loving couple that, that he, you know he loves, he chose them out of everybody. Gosh. About a, a whole millennium of people, he chose them. And that's how he treats them. If that's how he treats them, then what are we to expect? And I think that a lot of times the worst part about circumstances I'm in is anticipating that God doesn't love me in that. That's something the worst part of it. But if we can trust in the midst of the darkest moments of our life that God loves us despite our circumstances, because evidence is going to mount on both sides. We're going to have tons of evidence at the end of our life that says, that screams that God is not good. But we have tons of evidence on the other side that screams and, and whispers even that God is good. And we just got to choose what to believe. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And that's the best thing in this world. It's better than anything you can imagine. It's better than anything. I think we know that. We don't always believe that. But if we can have that, we can be untouchable in this world. We can rejoice when life sucks. We can, we can rejoice when, when we're in pain. We can rejoice when we're, when we're just being kicked to the curb because our hope is not, is not in this life. Although hope will come in this life. The goodness of the Lord will come in this life, but our hope is not here. Let's let him write our story. Let him write our story and surrender to our idea of what is good for us. And this is not a, a saying like that, oh, every, um, every bad thing happens for a reason. It's not that. And if, if, someone, if you tell that to someone who's going through a hard time, they have permission to smack you, Okay? They have total permission. Like, you can say that about your own life if you want. 
This is not saying everything happens for a reason, but it is saying that we serve a God who causes all things to work together for good. He causes all things to work together for good. He does not waste an ounce of your pain. He will not waste one tear. He will not waste one tear. He works it all together for good and makes us 10 times more powerful and 10 times more, more loving and significant. Back to this magnifying glass. That uh, speech that Don read was, is, is called the Magnificat. It's, it's Mary's praise to God. She's, she's praising God because of like, her position, even though like, she's about to experience crazy, crazy stuff. But she's praising him. And I looked up what, in the uh, King James Version says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Yes. Magnifies. And so I said, okay, magnifying glass. All right, yeah, that's, that helps you see things you can't see. Right. It's so much more than that, though. It helps you see things and focus on things that are too close for you to see. That's the thing. When I, when I, if I get this close to my eyes, I can't, at this point right here, I can't see it. But if I put this magnifying glass right over my eyes, I can see it perfectly. And when we trust God to tell our story, no matter how messed up it seems, no matter how messed up we feel, or how unreconciled the mess we are in right now is, when we, when we trust him to tell our story, we magnify him. And other people can see him through us. Because God is right there to so many people. He's right there, and they can't see him at all. He's so close they can't see him, and our soul can magnify. It can come in there and magnify him and help others to see him in us and in, in the world. Let's trust the author. Mm. And this is not the end of the story for, for Mary and Joseph, too. You think the baby is healthy. The baby turns out healthy, and okay, they can look, move on, and, and it's okay, they moved on, and it's baby's healthy. But then, 30 years later, she's looking at him up on a cross, being executed, Roman style. Her own son is being executed up on there. So, so what does that say about God? I mean, it's like, you, you, it's, it's like there's this back and forth of this, these ups and downs in life. Like, like, oh, we went through this horrible time, there's no one at the end, and this horrible birth, but then it was good, things were good, and then all of a sudden, it's just... But that wasn't the end of the story either. That was not the end of the story. And wherever you are in your life right now, that is not the end of your story. I don't care if we're 89 or if we're 99, and we're still in the same place, it's not the end of our story. And if we can hope, if we can, we can trust against our emotions and our thoughts, our lives will magnify them. Our lives will, will show fruit that, that in the middle of de the desert. And people look at us and go, what the heck? How do you have hope? Why are you even happy right now? How can you even smile right now? That's stupid. Do you know what, what is what, what the, the, the rock that is about to fall on your head? Do you know, do you see it? It's like, God is so much greater. And he's telling a story through my life. And he is good and he is loving. Despite the evidence, despite what I think about him. He is good and he is loving. And our lives will shine. We'll have a time. Um, we have a couple of guys from the band come up and play a little music. Um, we're going we're gonna to show something. But uh, 
that, that song, that song that, uh, it, my victory is you love me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. My victory is you love me. And if nothing can separate us from the love of God, then, then we are winning. You know, and I, this is a little side note. Uh, I just saw a TED Talk on, um, I, I always felt uh, self-conscious about raising my hands in church. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to be like everyone else. I have my own way of worshiping, you know. Uh, it's, you know it's not. What's interesting is that blind people do that when they win. When they win, they naturally raise their hands in the air. They've never seen anyone do it. But they raise their hands in the air because they're, they're, that, that's just what their body wants to do. So the Bible says to let our hearts take courage. All right? And the only thing that would stop our hearts from taking courage is our heads and our thoughts and our experiences and our pain from the, and memories from the past. That's the only thing that can stop us. Let your hearts take courage this morning. Let your hearts take courage. And we're going to read this. Uh, I want you guys to come up and, and, and uh, participate in the communion. And Bethlehem actually means house of bread. And Jesus was laid in a trough so we could feed on him and, and take his strength and his, and his salvation into our life, his redemption into our life. And while we do that, there's going to be uh, that little blank area. I want you to fill in. I want you to spend some time thinking in the middle of, of, of communion about what do you need to put in that. What, what fear, what pain, what hope, what, 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 whatever is holding you back from experiencing the love of God or, or, or experiencing the, the life that he has for you that magnifies him. Think about that. And we're going to have people over here, actually in the, in the corner, praying. If you guys want prayer, get it. Just get it. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll go. God, we surrender to you. We're yours. You're the best storyteller. You want the best for us. You want more things than we want for ourselves. And we submit ourselves to you right now and proclaim you as the great storyteller. Proclaim you as the God who causes all things to work together for good. We proclaim you as the God who wins, who has won, and who brings us to victory because you love us so dang much. We claim this. We claim you as our God, and we dethrone our feelings. We dethrone our thoughts. We dethrone our experiences. And we proclaim you as our God, and as the author of our salvation, the power of your name. Amen.